Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Geno. We're back after a very long hiatus. I'm here today with Yolanda, co-host, and also a special guest, Mahir. Um, do you guys want to say hi? Yeah, hi. What's Hello. Up? Good afternoon. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about our education system and its role in, you know, I guess in society. Does it help us as working youth? Do we need to reevaluate what we are taught? I think we've talked a little bit previously about how, you know, many of us here are conditioned, you know, even as young workers kind of reflecting on our own education and how we've been yeah, really taught and kind of uh, brainwashed from day one. And so, yeah, today we're going to be kind of talking about that. But we're also going to be talking to Mahir. Mahir, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, okay, good afternoon, everyone. But I'm currently in college. I'm like I thought, uh, almost going to my last year, trying to go into medical field. Uh, so I've been like, uh, over the past year, I've volunteered hospital, did a lot of stuff. Uh, and basically, I've always had like an interest with you know a lot of community organizing from the beginning with the Arte campaign since the beginning of this uh, year in 2021. And really, it's you know it's been a journey from uh, going from when I first started organizing as a community in high school. I had I had a lot of I had a big hobby back then of like uh, doing a lot of music and performing. So I actually performed at the Museum of Chinese in America at Mocha. In 2018, I performed there, but basically, uh, you know, I was sort of just making use of the opportunities that were available at that time, at that moment. As a young person coming out of high school, we had the SYAP program, the Summer Youth Employment Program, and then also you had like various other programs like Project Reach and CPC, all of which will be explained later. But, you know, overall, you know, now currently, aside from my, my course with that college, which is a, it's a lot, it's really busy. I, I do ticketing that's involved in the organization, Youth Against Displacement, Youth Against Sweatshop, and the Coalition Protect Chinatown and Lower East Side. And they do a lot of work with the, the ticketing in the establishments in Chinatown owned by the landlord, two family. I think Fong restaurant was unfortunately closed in March. And so it's a, it's a lot of stuff going on. But I've only started since last year, so I'm relatively new to the movement. Yeah, thanks for for introing yourself. So I know that you had raised um, that you wanted to talk about how you feel that our education system, both in the classroom and not in the classroom, doesn't really help us, doesn't really help working people. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So we, since the, you know, in, in high school, of course, people, there's just been a total degradation of the history class. It's a lot of information, um, and it's very dry. And people, as soon as when I went to high school, students really weren't that motivated to really learn the AP world history or AP US history, like these courses, or even AP macroeconomics, which uh, focus a little bit on the, the economic history. And that's because it's, it's always thought in like a mainstream angle. And people do can't see no application, like no reason to, like how does it affect their family? How does it affect their their their, their family's livelihood? What's going on at home? They they might be going through something really, some really tough financial situation at home. But I mean, history is like doesn't even, and it doesn't even talk about the full extent. And then on top of that, it's like whatever field that we want to get into. There's never an, an emphasis on like any type of, of real systemic issue that affects uh, 
that affects any of us at the at the very local level. So like the issues of like displacement, the issues of wage theft, the issues of overworking, the issue of how like I was so hard to like pay pay for like uh, tuition and like the college, the student debt. Well, like the, the root causes of these and like what causes all of these deep issues that affect us in fundamental ways to to to, to happen. That's never covered in in the college uh, curriculum, and this is. It, again, like I, I want to stress that, like I'm not, I'm not here to really say that we could be able to easily, or we should be, try to to change the the system of education, like try to like reform the colleges or anything. That's that would take a lot of work, or take a long time. But more importantly, is how how we can we should we should learn that this is what's this is the way that we're that we're being duped in in college and earlier, and that we should like understand that. Like the, the education is just not, it's just, it's just not sufficiently like explaining it. It's like, it's just like simply, simply repeating the, like the same narrative that, that sustains the, like the elite who, who, who usually like, usually says that. For example, like in, in the education with regards to uh, Asian and Asian Americans, we will learn about like the, the yellow pearl in the 1890s and how it goes way back, like we have, uh, lot of like racism towards people who are you are Chinese, like, East Asian and later a South and Southeast Asian descent. But then it's like fundamentally like that they had to they had to work like these these jobs that had a lot of exploitation and the exploitative industry simply continues and this is this is actually what the what the real history is really supposed to be about and what they're supposed to better reflect. It's not just merely like okay we so we, we we used to be we used to fix it with like exclusion where we're trying to find ways to to save ourselves from that, but then also later um, what happened when society modernizes and you have this genuine like like a sort of like a consumerism that spreads across society, especially in the 1950s and 60s, and then by the 80s you had like you know the, the Museum of Chinese in America. They choose to ignore what happened. This is just one. This is one example. Not even. I'm, we're not even talking about the whole society. This is just one example in the museum. They ignore the history after the after 1980 and to the present. All of that is totally ignored. And then prior, it's like just yeah, you know, we we had to find ways to not get not get excluded. And then the moment you had the this integration and you had this eventual like type of you know society where it's like you know things sort of get like um caught in the consumerism after that it's like that like what happened it's like you know well well you know what really happened was that you had a new elite emerge and you just have a, another underclass being added and another one and keep, it keeps on continuing and this is this this is not reflected better in the history that that, that we study at um, school in college or even in high school it's just hard to get that actual history i think that's a really good point that you raise like a criticism of integration, you know, how it, it then ultimately just produce its own sort of elite within within different communities. But I guess that's still the model, right? That's still the model that's being advocated by by our education system, right? You know, you work hard, you climb up that ladder and yeah, you know, it doesn't actually ever look to challenge this idea of, you know, how we produce, constantly produce, you know, a, a underclass 
Right. But I wanted to like go back to something you mentioned before and also when you brought up Mocha because you know you were saying how when you were young you did you know performances there and you did different internships you know I think some people like I remember even when I was never like a particularly eager student you know and even when I was younger like I was kind of like yeah you know school sucks you know education they're just going to brainwash us you know <laughs> kind of like teach us, you know, teach us crap, but I can get real education, like, outside, right? Seems like, kind of, you were saying you sort of sought the same, right? Like, the different opportunities, like, you actively sought out opportunities, right, in the community, you know, just what's available to you, right, and what's available to a lot of, you know, youth growing up in in Chinatown, Lower East Side, but, you know, these are also the same institutions, right? Like this fight we have against MOCA with, you know, the president, <laughs> Nancy, saying, oh, Chinese are all paid protesters, right? Like, you know, this is sort of the, you know, now we know more about what these institutions are. So I guess, like, yeah, can you speak to that? Like, you know, is it simply about going outside of the school walls to get the proper education? So when I performed at MOCA back in 2018, that was at the time when I was really of the belief that there has to be this, I always believed in this sort of solidarity between Asian community. But then it was like, it was strange because, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I'm not Chinese, so I'm not Asian. Some people, technically, they, they, they say, you know, you're non-Chinese, you know, you, you, you have Indian background, South Asian, you still, people not that educated here. In the United States, it's mainly, it's just like the mainstream, the elites decided, okay, anyone who's East Asian is going to be, is going to identify as Asian. <laughs> it, it, it excludes everyone else. And this is actually what CPC ironic is that kind of like what they do when they have this whole called like, uh, they have the, the category of uh, API, um, Asian Pacific Islanders. So it's like, they have like these ways of just bridging division within the Asian community without even maybe like fully intending. But like this is a big problem with the with, uh, what we when we see when we look at CBC, we look at MOCA. This this, this represents the, man, the manifestations of a neoliberal elite within our Chinatown community. So the Museum of Chinese in America originally was like the history project, so it had good origins in the beginning. Also, I actually have, I know this professor in college who happened to know a, a good role in that too. He teaches art, art history of Baruch, but aside from that, you know, same thing with CPC. Originally, CPC originated as like a community uh, social organization, social welfare organization that would help new immigrants coming at that time in the 70s to be able to like adjust to the American society and be able to get like opportunities. But the issue was that just quickly, quickly these turned into the new liberal power structure quickly took a, a chance in, in really getting those good intentions that the way they started out and unfortunately became corrupted uh, because of how the, the, the profit motive started entering into into those those two organizations, not just those two only, but in the larger elite in, in Chinatown. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, you know I mean, the CPC and MOCA, like, they like to brand themselves as the stewards of, like, the community, and, you know, they care a lot about preserving, like, the culture and the East Asian culture in Chinatown. But it's like, but then it's like they hide the, the material, the, the, the fact of the matter is that the people in Chinatown materially have ne- never improved. That Chinatown is, is, you know, this is, we can, we can be able to easily counter their false type of facade that 
that has been has been built historically for over over a, dec- a decade period by by both Mocha and CPC that they are these like people who preserve the culture in Chinatown. Well, you know, CPC is you know does like economic violence towards for a long time towards like the elderly home attendant workers. So this is not being told to a lot of people. A lot of people who live in Chinatown live really close, like they don't know so much about that. Uh, they only knew when, when we had to organize, when the Coalition Protecting Chinatown had to go out there and distribute the flyers, and then they, they started to understand. And, you know, much the same way with MOCA, the Museum of Chinese in America, is like they, they decide to, you know, for, so aside from the fact that they, they were not really portraying the, the history of of Asian and Asian Americans in in the, in the most accurate light, ignoring the the labor struggles between the sweatshop bosses and and the workers at the bottom. Aside from that, that that corporate whitewashing of the history, recently they've had an unfortunate, very 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 ugly type of role of really like 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 hiding the fact that they they have a, a board co-chair and they're they're the owners of that museum. These are the people who are. Who are really raking in all the all the cash within the museum? Where every person who visits the museum, they end up getting the vast majority of of the of, of the wealth in the museum. So th- these elites, unfortunately, they they've left out the fact that you know John Den Chu he basically displaced a lot of workers at Jingfang. Jingfang is a cultural icon in Chinatown. So then we now we realize is that after a little bit of just a little bit of knowing the facts in the neighborhood. The average person in Chinatown now knows the real history. Now knows that okay, this Museum of Chinese America is actually not working for the betterment of Chinatown when it destroys the the largest cultural icon known as Jingfang Restaurant in the in the neighborhood. So that unfortunately is a way that it can be countered. It's it's known as what they espouse in terms of like conceptually, like Boca and and and. CPC is like this a neoliberal type of elite, and ironically, you know, Malcolm X in his lifetime he had to encounter the same type of elites within the black community who would unfortunately sell out with the average African American to like a larger a neoliberal power structure. That and and to this day, you know, it's like as, as a community, it's like there is more inequality within the African American community today than there was back in like 1968, and that's like as a statistic that has been well known and. The same with the, with, I mean, in Chinatown, it's like we have we had these elites, sweatshop bosses, and and these other elites who just can go around, parade around, and say that, oh, you know, we've made strides, we've made progress towards the resistance, resisting the tides of racism. This has been a major slogan that Mocha has been, has been, has taken, and this is clearly a, a caricature, a false caricature meant to just benefit the the elites within the neighborhood and ignore like the voices of the, of the community. One day when I was doing firing in the neighborhood, one resident in the local area, right next, he lives right by the museum, in, right around Center Street. He told me that, you know, this this, this is real legitimate. He, he, I think I a client, he said, I already know what's happening here. I, I'm a resident of this neighborhood, and they are, what Mocha is doing is so horrible with, with Jonathan Chu, is that they're working with the city to displace, like, his area and turn that whole corner right next to Mocha that corner into like a into like a corporate complex like sort of like the 50 Bari hotel so you know, this is this is like economic violence against the, the community here but it was never but the whole point is that the history that that mocha and and, um, and CPC likes to portray 
Um, it was never meant for the vast majority of the people in, in, in Chinatown. It was always meant to for the people who were able to like luckily get by and continue and just like break in and and do well in, in this like oh, so called like the like American dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't actually I mean, uh, you know, we took a long break and even before that we had talked a lot more about the fight against CPC and to end the 24-hour workday. But um, yeah, I don't know that we've actually ever talked about MOCA. So just as a really brief overview, you know, workers in Chinatown and, you know, from throughout the city have been calling for a boycott of uh, the Chu family. They are a longstanding, you know, rich family. They're the biggest landlords in Chinatown. They are the landlords of Jingfong Restaurant that Mahir mentioned. Right as the state city was sort of reopening from the pandemic, he chose to kick out the Jingfong Restaurant from its its location. Like many other restaurants, Jingfong, you know, had to close. We're only doing, you know, like takeout, you know, but and so fell behind on rent. But instead of working with the employer, you know, to preserve this, like, you know, Mahir said, like a, a, a cultural icon, you know, a beloved restaurant in, in the community, a place that, you know, also is the job for hundreds of workers in, in um, the Chinese community, you know, wouldn't work with the employer and so and, and shut it down. So workers in the community have been, you know, picketing Jonathan Chu and Alex Chu, the landlords, demanding that he reopen. Jonathan Chu also sits, happens to sit on the board. He's the co-chair of uh, the Museum of Chinese in America. So, you know, you can see like not only, you know, like the, yeah, like the, the elite, right? They, you know, reap all this money profit from, you know, from working people, but then also, you know, sit on boards, sit on, you know, you know, these sort of, you know, museums that, you know, whitewash our our community and, you know, and, and say they speak for, you know, they're, they're representatives of, of Chinatown and the Chinese community. So obviously people are very pissed about that. And so we've been, you know, picketing mocha. Sorry. Do, do you guys want to add anything else? Maybe on that note, we can end here. The ongoing picket in front of Mocha. Mocha is on uh, Center Street. I'm blanking on the exact address, but people are there every Wednesday and Sunday demanding, you know, Chu, Jonathan Chu. Actually, Mahir or Yolanda, do you guys want to put out? I'm blanking on what the demands are. We're demanding that museum. Uh, which had a $35 million that was uh, given to by the Blasi administration uh, during the pandemic um, that was meant to help the community, but it's actually going to the community jail that's trying to be built like right here, uh, right near the museum. And also there's a, there's part of that plan is also, as I was explaining earlier about like this creation of this new type of complex, this new corporate complex that will erase, but that will displace the people who live close to Mocha. So, First is return of $35 million, and then second is, like, we have to make sure that, like, the two family understand that, like, there has to, uh, you have to reopen original location instead of having this much smaller location in Central Street. It's really unsustainable for the workers, and I'm not sure if I'm missing anything else, but those are the main ones. I think and the other demand, aside from what you already said in here, is to issue an open statement to oppose the new jail and oppose um, Soho Nahu Museum. Great, thanks.
Yeah, we had come by with a ticket every Wednesday and Sunday, just like during afternoon. And yeah, uh, have a nice summer, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.